Today I have two topics. We're going to go over both because these are sequential episodes. Do you want to talk about Poland or do you want to talk about California? This is a good first topic. Let's end with Poland. So California first. Chelsea, when you think of California, what natural disasters come to mind? Fires. Yeah, forest fires. Would there be a second one in your mind? Earthquakes? Because of them falling into the ocean? Yeah, and creating the Arizona Bay. Look at you go. Yeah, exactly. Now, unfortunately, I have to add one more to your repertoire, and that's going to be earth-shatteringly large mega floods. Oh, yes. Yes. This is a story that was posted on August 12th, 2022 on USA Today, titled Experts Warn California of a Disaster Larger Than Any in World History. It's not an earthquake. Megadrust may be the main weather concern across the West right now amid the constant threat of wildfire and earthquakes, but a new study warns another crisis is looming in California mega floods. Climate change is increasing the risk of floods that could submerge cities and displace millions of people across the state, according to a study released Friday. It says that an extreme month-long storm could bring feet of rain in some places more than 100 inches to hundreds of miles of California. Similarly, unrelenting storms have happened in the past before the region became home to tens of millions of people. Now, each degree of global warming is dramatically increasing the odds and size of the next mega flood, the study says. When the floods hit in a warmer planet, the storm sequence is bigger in almost every respect, said Daniel Swain, UCLA climate scientist and co-author of the study. In a news release, there's more rain overall, more intense rainfall on an hourly basis and stronger wind. In fact, the study found that the climate change makes such catastrophic flooding twice as likely to occur now. Swain said that such massive statewide floods have occurred every century or two in California over the past millennia, and today's risk of such events has been substantially underestimated. Mm. Why this is a huge deal is because it would be in the LA area and the massive flood is estimated to cost at least a trillion dollars in disaster and damage to people's lives and property. That is significant. Yeah. Parts of cities such as Sacramento, Stockton, Fresno, and Los Angeles would be underwater, even with today's extensive collection of reservoirs, levees, and bypasses. It is estimated that it would be at least a trillion dollar disaster, larger than any in world history. They're basing this on because it's happened before? It's a one in a hundred event, so it happens every century. Ah, yes. Century. That's what we're getting now. Yeah, and the fact that at that time, when this last happened, there were not that many people living in California. And also they were not going through an extensive drought, which actually makes water less likely to absorb into the Mm -hmm. ground. It's kind of that catch-22. But yeah, one more fun thing to worry about in California. When the water finally does come, it may kill everyone. Sorry. Yeah. But with that, let's move on to our fun topic. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where we are pioneering the formula of fringe topics converging with words coming out of our mouths. We are your mouths providing these fringy topics, Taylor and Chelsea. And today we are taking a look at a topic near and dear to the heart of a 12 to 13 year old Taylor, and that is Blink-182 and what they've at least one member of the band has been up to in the last decade or so, particularly in the UFO community. Today, we are delving deep into the story of Tom DeLonge, the lead singer and lead guitarist of Blink-182, and why he ended up in the WikiLeaks of 2016 with Hillary's emails, and how he became so intertwined in the UFO community. 
Now, Blink-182 has been around for a fucking long time. Due to, like, just by the time I got into them when I was, like, 12 years old, I think they were already on their third album. The first one I bought was Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and I think I was 12, and that's, like, their fourth studio album. Yeah, probably. Tom DeLonge is a founding member of Blink-182. Kim Markopis, a guy by the name of Scott Rancor, who apparently was not that good of a drummer because he eventually gets replaced by Travis Barker of the Aquabats, and because what is commonly known as probably one of the most widely selling pop punk bands of the early 2000s. Now, while this is all going on, Tom DeLonge got into UFOs, or at least paranormal ideas, in junior high. He specifically says in many interviews that in the seventh grade, he found a book in the library with a picture of the Loch Ness Monster and UFOs on it. He started reading it, absolutely could not get enough of it, and from there just read every book he possibly could on UFOs, conspiracies, things like that, to an extent where when Blink-22 started touring, they were in a van or in a bus going across the country. He would take UFO books, and that's what he would be doing while he's got nothing else to do on hours of driving across the country. It was Nessie that started it off, eh? A little bit, yeah. Because, you know, when you're 12, Nessie's pretty cool. Yeah. I can't say I wouldn't be doing the same if I had downtime during, you know, touring and I was on a bus. I'd probably be reading UFO books, too. Tom's obsession with aliens you can see in some of the works of Blink-182. Specifically, there's a song on Animal of the State called Aliens Exist. There are a few allusions to different conspiracy theories, including just an overall idea of UFOs. Aliens, because it's called Aliens Exist. And a reference to 12 Majestic Lies, which is talking about the Majestic 12, which I don't think we've specifically done an episode on, but I think they've come up before. Yeah, I think they did somewhere as well. Not sure where. It was around Project Blue Book, like way back in the day. That day happening in 2021. That's a good one. Way to narrow it down. Now, during this time, it's evident if you're talking to Tom DeLonge or anybody who's close to Tom DeLonge and you ask him about Tom DeLonge, UFOs are going to be very early on in the conversation. Like, this is an interview that he did during his time in the early 2000s. So, uh, oh shit, you want to get me started on UFOs? But just that oh, one yeah. story. No, go <laughs> All right. Well, I have a friend that's been, uh, working to out like the secrecy of UFOs for like 10 years. And uh, I met up with him on the East Coast and I asked him what he was doing, wondering if there's anything I could do to help or whatever. And he, he spent 10 years filming like over 500 top secret witnesses that work for the government. And uh, they all work for like, you know, uh, everywhere from CIA to Lockheed Martin to Boeing Corporation to uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the NSA and the NRO. These are all like spy agencies and stuff and all these people are talking and they're on camera because they understand that this videotape is what's going to get them to be able to testify in front of Congress. And so they're all talking about a lot of things about aliens and UFOs from people that were in charge of like our whole nuclear uh, missile inventory. They were in charge, people that worked at like NORAD and all this stuff. And this one guy's talking because he, he used to work for uh, the Air Force uh, and they're called the Blue Berets and they work for a nuclear like cleanup task force. And so they get these pages and they'd fly all over the earth. And if there was like a nuclear warhead that's leaking or something's going wrong, they were the only ones that had top secret clearance high enough to like fix our and contain the area where our own nuclear weapons are because like no one's allowed to see them. But he was one of a few people that would get his page and they'd fly across wherever the you know the continent or whatever and they would land and 
Instead of there being like a, a nuclear warhead, there would be like a crashed UFO and alien bodies and stuff. And he was on this crash retrieval team and he talks about all these stories that he used to um, get bodies and, and the actual hardware and he was the one that was responsible for making sure, make sure it gets shipped down to like Wright-Patterson Air Force Base into to the Nevada test range where Area 51 is and stuff. Oh, that's why he looks so young. Yeah. Look at all that Atticus swag. Well, he started Atticus. Like, that's one of his brands. <laughs> it's clear from that video, like, this guy is deeply immersed in it. And it keeps going on. Like, he's talking about retired military people that he's talked to and interviewed and he has video of talking about their experiences with aliens and UFOs while they were working for the government. The guy's obsessed. And Travis Barker, uh, the drummer for Blink-182, was interviewed by Joe Rogan, I believe in 2018. And Joe asked him about Tom, and he's like, oh yeah, that guy's just obsessed with UFOs. He was invited out, but uh, declined for a Bigfoot hunt at one of the tour stops. So, I have to ask you, does Tom talk about UFOs all the time? Well, you know he's not in the band no yeah, more. Yeah, I know. You know? But, but did no, he always do that? He always did. The other day I talked to him, he's like, I'm on the way to the fucking White House, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't ask any questions. I'd be like, as you should be, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, let's fucking go. So the guy's just been constantly obsessed with UFOs. And in 2015, after much success with the band, he decides to part ways. His official statement is this. The last show I played was in front of 100,000 people. And then they wonder why I'm not doing that now. And I'll say because this is the one moment in my life where I'll be able to look back as an old man and say, oh my God, I was part of the team that changed the world. As an artist, I'd kind of conquered what I wanted to do with music. So I thought it is time to kind of do something else. I left my band and all that I was known for because this is the moment in time that I can change the world for my kids and everybody else's. Uh, Blink-182, outside of Tom, has a different statement that they put out. A week before we were scheduled to go into the studio, we got an email from Tom's manager explaining that he didn't want to participate in any Blink-182 projects indefinitely, but would rather work on his other non-musical endeavors. No hard feelings, but the show must go on for our fans. At this point, Tom leaves the band. Interesting. He's replaced with the lead singer from the Alkaline Trio. And there's a bit of come and go with these guys, but this is like the official part ways. Yeah, that never goes well. Yeah. After this happened, Tom did an interview with a website called Paper, where he talked about a whole bunch of weird stuff. Here we go. He talks about being wiretapped by the government. I've had my phone tapped for quite some time. Years ago, there was somebody who was gathering 150 hours of top secret testimony specifically for congressional hearings on government projects in the US secret space program. People from NASA, Rome, the Vatican, you name it, they're all on there. The top 36 hours that summarize the best parts of all that footage, I had it hidden in my house for a period of time. And during that time, I was flying this person out along with somebody that was Werner Von Braun's right-hand assistant. What? Yeah, these are weird statements to be making in this interview. I couldn't find the official interview. I could only find summaries of it. And they all talk about these parts that came up. Uh, he talked about mind control. At the time, I didn't know it, but the person I was dealing with was being awoken in the middle of the night with clicking and buzzing noises and falling on the ground vomiting every morning at 4 a.m. I know now that those are artifacts from mind control experiments where the same technology that we use to find oil underground, we can zap somebody at the same frequency that the brain operates on, and it can cause some really horrific things to happen. Huh. He talks about how he thinks he's a bit of a molder from X-Files. <laughs> 
One time, I remember bringing up a very specific craft that I believed we were building in a secret to emulate the phenomenon that our government has been observing for decades. So I started talking about the craft and its magnetic slide system and how it displaces over 89% of the mass of the ship, how it ionizes the engine, how it glows. I went through the whole thing and this engineer looks at me. This guy is 70 years old and he goes, you better be real fucking careful about what you're talking about. I go, okay, so I'm close. And he goes, I'm not fucking around with you. You better be really fucking careful. And he calls me up the next day and he goes, I've had calls about you. If someone comes and asks you to get in their car, don't fucking get in the car. And then he also talks about camping outside of Area 51. When we went out there the first night, we decided to run through this protocol where you project your thoughts. So we decided to do it and we were up mad late but nothing happened. I kept telling the guys, if anything was going to happen, it would happen at three in the morning because that's the time when things like this happen. Don't ask me why. We put about four logs on the fire and everything is illuminated by the fire and we fall asleep around one or two. I woke up right around 3 a.m. My whole body felt like it had static electricity. I opened my eyes and the fire's still going and there's a conversation going on outside the tent. It sounded like there were about 20 people there talking and instantly my mind goes, okay, they're at our campsite. They're not here to hurt us. They're talking about shit, but I can't make out what they're saying, but they're working on something. Then I close my eyes and wake up and the fire's out and I have about three hours of lost time. Huh. Like it was a bizarre interview to say the least from what I'm gathering. And right around this time he decides he's gonna start a company called To The Stars Academy. I generally call it To The Stars Academy. The full name is To The Stars Academy of Art and Science LLC. With the mission being to be a powerful vehicle for change by creating a consortium among science, aerospace, and entertainment that will work collectively to allow gifted researchers the freedom to explore exotic science and technologies with the infrastructure and resources to rapidly transition them to products that can change the world. The company was built based on the frustration of government secrecy on the topics of space and the universe. After this, in 2016, Tom released his first novel. He, he did have a few other releases outside of this, but they're not really necessary for the topic of the, that we're talking about. This novel is called Secret Machines, and it's a series. This first one's called Chasing Shadows. It was written with the help of a man by the name of AJ Hartley. He's a New York Times bestselling author and an English professor outside of that. So I'm guessing Tom just told him what he wanted the story to be about, and this guy wrote the story. I've read the book. It's basically a Dan Brown story, like the Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah. But with aliens, more or less. But not quite aliens. Here's the synopsis of the book. The witnesses are legions scattered across the world and dotted through history. People who looked up and saw something impossible lighting up the night sky. What those objects were, where they came from, and who or what might be inside them is the subject of fierce debate and equally fierce mockery. So that most who glimpsed them came to wish they hadn't most but not everyone. Among those who know what they've seen and like the toll of a bell that can't be unrung are forever changed by it, are a pilot, an heiress, a journalist, and a prisoner of war. From the waning days of the 20th century's final great war to the fraught fields of Afghanistan to the otherworldly secret hidden amid Nevada's dusty neverlands. The truth that is out there will propel each of them into a labyrinth of otherworldly technology and the competing aims of those who might seek to prevent or harness these beings from fathomable power. Because as it turns out, we are not the only ones who can invent and build and destroy. Featuring actual events and other truths drawn from sources within the military and intelligence community, Tom DeLong and AJ Hartley offer a tale at once terrifyingly fantastical and perhaps all too real, though it is of course a work of fiction, question mark? I would say most definitely. 
Yeah. <laughs> I find that to be such an odd book. Just like he's pulling from everything he knows, but also just making up the story. Secret Machines. Also, just so that we're all on the same page, much like most things we talk about on this podcast, it's spelt wrong. It's secret with a K, where you would most expect it. Just like sex magic. Yeah. Basically, Tom really markets this as the hidden truths that he was able to uncover through his vast studies and who he's talked to within the UFO and alien community. He was also going to push this as a, it was going to be spun off as TV series, as movies, and really make up the multimedia side of To the Stars Academy. And is this a work of fiction or nonfiction? He expressly says it's a work of fiction, but it's based on his understanding of like what information the U.S. has been able to uncover about aliens and UFOs. And you're going to have to read the stories to see what he's uncovered. It's so bizarre to me. It's just like yeah. muddy Oh, water. full of shit is what yeah. it is to me. <laughs> yeah. But then after this, a really weird thing happens. WikiLeaks gets a hold of a server of Hillary Clinton's emails. Right. Of course, Pizzagate happens, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're actually talking about is email correspondence between Tom DeLonge and Jamesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. Hmm. And they're full on talking about UFOs, Tom's plans, and people he's been talking to. Within the UFO community, I found a few just to give you an example. From what I recall, this actually helped his... Credibility. Credibility at the time, because until this, he just sounded a little bit crazy. And then this happened, and people were kind of like, oh. Oh, you've actually been talking to high-up people. Yeah. Yeah, you can actually tie him to one of these people that he's not disclosing any information about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens, and there's so many emails. If you go on to go check it out, you can go on WikiLeaks and just search Tom DeLong. You are going to find a trove of emails between him and John Podesta. There's a couple that might be worth going over, but I, I think it's fine. Just go see for yourself what's in there. After this, Tom starts going on a, a media circuit to promote to the Stars Academy and Secret Machines. So he goes on the Joe Rogan podcast. And to sum it up best, I found two clippings of the show where he's on there. I'm not going to really get into that here. I can't say who they were, but I want to get into that kind of stuff. If you don't mind, I just can't tell you who it's from. You know, I can't really get into now because of the positions and the things I'm involved with. Okay. And a few other things that I want to get into. And I can't tell you some of the shit that I know. And some others I can't tell you about, obviously. That's the shit I can't tell you. Damn, it was all this I can't tell you stuff. I know. I got into it when I was in junior high. I don't want to get into that, but I won't tell you his name. Well, I think we can find his name. <sighs> Maybe. Michael Hayden, former director of NSA and the CIA. No, that's not him. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you if you try and find out. Okay. You guys are fishing around over here. You said so much. I, just I know. It's so I know. Weird. What you can and can't say. Well, I could tell you other shit offline, probably. Oh, know? okay. Offline. I can't wait to end this podcast. Right. All right. Are we off? He can't get into it. He can't tell you. Can't yeah. do it. Like the fact they were able to do uh, a minute long supercut of him saying, I can't tell you that over the course of like an hour and a half episode of the Joe Rogan experience. That's kind of what just, he's known it, for doing. It, yeah, it gives you an idea of like what he brought to the table there. And it was just a few crazy videos of UFOs that Joe Rogan's just like, that's not a UFO. <laughs> and then the rest is him asking questions. He's like, yeah, I can't tell you. <laughs>
And Chelsea, if you just want to play the next one, just because I just think it's a great little relief after that one. Know your place, motherfucker. No. <laughs> so you literally could fly around and grab a Coke out of someone's hand and put it in someone else's hand. It's really... Where are you getting this from? The little, the little aliens with the big black eyes. Hmm. I, I believe technology uh, exists. God, I want to believe. So hard. I mean, I'm, I can believe in things. I can't prove a lot of things. Do yet. they have any pickled bodies anywhere? I can't tell you. You are fucking crazy when you start talking about this. I'm going to show you my dick. It changes shape. What I've noticed mm. is it's just changing. Yeah, it's getting larger. Larger, maybe? getting wider. Depending upon what you put in it. It's not even that. It's warping the space-time continuum around tacos. Ooh. <laughs> I think it was a good representation. <laughs> so, yeah. It was an awkward episode of Joe Rogan experience, to say the least. But something that came up in here, he starts talking about how he really got into this, this part of to the UFO community. And he says he first met with a government official when he had like what he was going to put into a book. He thought it would be important to run past government offices because, you know, he knowing so much about UFOs, figured out the answer to what's going on, wrote it all down. And before he processed it and put it out to the public, sent it to the government and said, like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be publishing this. What? And and the government came back and they set up a meeting between him and an unknown government official that he wouldn't identify. We know who that public official is because he sent an email to John Podesta with the subject line General McCasland. <laughs> and in that email, it says he mentioned he's a skeptic. He's not. I've been working with him for four months. I just got done giving him a four-hour presentation on the entire project a few weeks ago. So I'm pretty sure it's General McCaslett. Sorry, I might have just gotten him killed for that. I don't know. If you're just putting it together now, then I'm sorry, but thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. <laughs> we did that. This unknown government official that he's talking to says it was the Cold War and everything we did at the time was to avoid nuclear war. And that's when we discovered aliens. And they go on to have an hour-long conversation that Tom describes as life-changing but can't get into the details or who this was. It, but, you know, again, it was probably General McCaslett. <laughs> and if you have listened to that last little bit, it, it becomes clear. He says, I can't tell you much more. A lot. Unless you're off error in an email, then he will subject the email <laughs> with the yeah. name of said person. Exactly. Anyhow, like, this real weird, pretty much train wreck of a Joe Rogan podcast doesn't stop to the Stars Academy. And in 2017, a website by the name of Open Minds TV gave Tom DeLong the honor of being the 2017 International UFO Congress UFO Researcher of the Year. While he wasn't there to personally accept his award, he delivered an acceptance speech on video mentioning that his work isn't done. And I want you as an educated group of people to read between the lines and look at the history of what I've been doing over the past couple of years and get a sense for what the hell I'm getting ready to do. If you guys come along for the ride, it's going to be pretty fantastic. But at that point, no one really knows what exactly he has been doing. Nobody then... exactly knows what he has been doing or okay, who okay. openminds.tv is. Okay. <laughs> or at least okay. I don't. I didn't end up looking into who else they've named the UFO researcher of the year. Maybe that was the one and only time. <laughs> but I saw this highlighted a couple places, so I guess it, it needs to be brought up. <laughs> okay. Okay, now we're going to get into some things about To The Stars Academy. So it's a Delaware company and they have a very unique 
corporate structure in Delaware that's known as a public benefit corporation. That means that the companies are eligible to crowdfund. Instead of going on a stock market, you can crowdfund up to $50 million from individuals within the United States. And this is the path that To The Stars Academy has chosen to do for collecting money. I will tell you, it is not the most common way to incorporate a company or to look for investors, but this is the way they have chosen. It also means that they have different disclosure responsibilities as a company compared to an IPO as a regular corporation trying to be publicly traded. That might be going over your head right now, but if you looked on the, to the Stars Academy website, you'll notice that you can invest right there on the website. If you are on the To The Stars Academy website, to the stars, Dot media in the top right there's a little button that is invest and you'll have several options for investing in this company you can invest five dollars a share and i believe you can invest up to two hundred dollars it might have changed since they originally went into crowdfunding but that was originally what you were capped at they have a little bit of information on their website but it's a unique way to invest and it's a very new way to invest not a lot of people know much about it outside of select techie bros Anyways, they do still have some disclosure requirements as a public benefit corporation. I found a few select things that we need to talk about within this disclosure document that aren't great. So let's just get into it. It's gonna be contractual wording, Chelsea. Might be a little heavy, but if you have any questions, let me know as we go along, okay? Starting right off the bat, Tom DeLong, Mr. Handsome LLC, and Good In Bed Music have licensed intellectual property rights to To The Stars Academy for five years under a verbal license and currently under a licensing agreement dated April 26, 2017. The rights include name and likeness, rights of publicity for Mr. DeLong, trademarks, copyrights, domains, names, social media handles, master recordings, and musical compositions. We, as the company to the Stars Academy, are required to pay Mr. DeLong royalties on gross sales ranging from 0.5 to 15% depending on the product category. Mr. DeLong has the right to approve any royalty granted to a third party in connection with the licensed product. If total royalty payments to Mr. DeLong and his parties in any given calendar year fail to meet $100,000, we have agreed to pay any shortfall such that the annual minimum royalty paid to Mr. DeLong's parties will be $100,000. Licensing agreement allows Mr. DeLong to elect to invest any royalty payment due to him for the development of licensed products beyond what is commercially practical to, to the Stars Academy and recruit the investment. So he owns the rights to all his music, all the books he's written, anything else that he's contracting out. They have to pay X percent directly to him from any sale. It doesn't just go into the company. He gets money paid out outside of the company and everything that he's come up with on top of that. Yeah. And if they're not having great sales, he'll still get 100000 every year no matter what. Yeah. Next line. During 2018, the company entered into a revolving line of credit agreement with Tom DeLong, the beneficial owner of its majority shareholder, evidenced by a security promissory note. From the company to Mr. DeLong, maturing on December 31st, 2019, the line of credit allows the company to borrow funds up to a total amount of $495,000 on a revolving basis and bears interest at 8.58% annual. The notes require minimum monthly payments of principal and interest and is secured by certain intellectual property rights of the company. The company has been utilizing the line of credit as a source of additional operating funds for working capital needs and plans to continue doing so during 2019. As of December 31st, 2018, the company had outstanding borrowing and accrued interest owing under the line of credit in the amount of $335,000 and $4,240 respectively. So 
He's been lending the company money and getting back a fairly good return on investment at 8.5%, which I don't know. Have, Chelsea, do you have a savings account at the bank? Yes. Do you get 8.5%? No, not even close. That's a pretty damn good promissory note right there. It really is. Tom DeLong is also the founder and interim CEO of the company. He's also the president of the company, subsidiary to the Stars, Inc., his award-winning entertainment career spans over two decades with music sales over 25 million records worldwide in the band he co-founded Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves. Since 2011 at To The Stars Inc., Mr. DeLong has co-authored and published multiple chart-topping books, written and directed both live action and animated films, as well as created various multimedia franchises that have expanded into successful merchandise brands. Prior to forming the company, Mr. DeLong co-founded Really Likeable People Inc., parent company of multiple international consumer lifestyle brands and the technology platform Mod Life Inc., which formed in 2007 and empowered artists with digital content monetization tools. Mr. DeLong has been recognized for his creative endeavors across music, books, and films, including the awards for Best Video Animated Short Films, Best Fiction, and 2017's UFO Researcher Award. And sorry, I should have said beforehand, I will right now. They do give a little description of why they've named Tom DeLong as CEO. They also had a very interesting, can I find it really quick? I thought I put this in here. And I closed that web page, damn it. Oh, under recently closed tabs. No, I have too many from, I just closed so many. Sorry, I did close this tab, but I in that same release, Tom's sister also has an option to buy up to 6 million shares at one third of a cent per share. I believe she's involved in the company somehow as well. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. We as the public can buy them at $5 per share. She can buy them at one third of a cent per share. Nice. A nice discount. I will correct if I'm wrong, but it was ridiculous. It was for like six million stocks. So there's some sketchy things in there. He's making money off of the royalties that he's selling to, to the Stars Academy. He is making money off of loaning this company money. And he is by far the majority shareholder of this company. Yes. And he's also asking just the public at large without the normal IPO, initial public offering occurring on this open stock market to invest in this company with a less than stellar document to show what this company's up to and its financial endeavors. Do you know the reason why he would choose to do that over being publicly traded? He said it was because he wanted a more democratic company or to be at least less structured in the way that corporations normally are. My guess is it has less disclosure issues. Mm. Yeah, there would have been a reason for sure that he chose to do it that way versus... And especially, this allows him to sell it on his website that you can invest in the company, whereas other ways you have to invest on it through a, a, right. a stock okay. exchange. Yep. Which is why it's right up on there. By the way, I don't know the legality of it in Delaware law, but this is something that you can do in BC as well. The website will be Front Funder. F-R-O-N-T-F-U-N-D-R. You can invest, I think, up to $200 in uh, any company in BC that's up on that website. It always seems like a fairly bad investment in my mind, though, so you can <laughs> see that month again. <laughs> yeah. And generally, the companies that go up on those websites don't want to give you any control. So you're just putting that money in and hoping it goes well. Yeah, from what I, and it's mostly a lot of startup companies, just like to the stars is pretty much. Yeah, exactly. But you have less power because you're not an angel investor putting in huge amounts of monies, dictating the terms. Ah, it's the company yes, dictating okay. the terms to you. Yeah. And they dictate how much you can invest into it, right? And the price. Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, it, it changes from province and state to province to state. If you're looking at crowdfunding securities, please look at your local securities laws. 
doesn't look great, at least from reading that document. Um, there's a few other things, but I'm not going to get into them at this point. But eventually, To the Stars starts to pay off in weird ways. So in October of 2019, To the Stars Academy leaks out to the public a Navy video of an unidentified aerial phenomenon, as they call it in colloquial speech within the government. And then in 2020, Navy also publishes three of DeLong's UFO videos. This is front and center in like late 2020, 2021. They're all the talk. Like the Nimitz video is probably the most talked about UFO video of the past decade. Like I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Yeah. And that comes right from To The Stars Academy. Outside of that, To The Stars does have a YouTube channel, but they don't use it at all, it appears, because the oldest video is four years old. There's 10 videos and they haven't posted in two years. Mm. So, and they're all very short, so they don't really use it. But this company is set up to, it has a ton of podcasts. It's meant to create TV series, movies, comics, podcasts, books, and other likenesses on the UFO phenomenon. What have they been up to recently? Well, he didn't actually put a date on it, but it's one of the newest articles on to the Stars Academy's website. And I saw it posted on Reddit on, um, that was submitted 10 days ago. So it was in August. And Tom had this to say, I was up late last night researching a subject I've been obsessed with for about 12 months now. If I were to just tell you what it is, you would laugh out loud. You would never guess that there is potentially more evidence for this one phenomenon than there is for UFOs. At this point, hopefully, I have proved to many of you that I may sound crazy, but I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to some of life's greatest oddities. I am passionate that they should be taken more seriously, both academically and in the court of public opinion. I am no stranger to being laughed at for my ideas and passions. Blink-182 wasn't taken seriously in the beginning, but is now considered one of the most influential rock bands of all time. The public also skewered me for wanting to research UFOs with serious rigor and respect. Now I am invited to speak in places like the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit, but how I was able to conquer the stigma and bring prestigious people together to change the world's perspective of what unidentified aerial phenomena are or could be. But my curiosity does not stop there. It is even more insatiable now that I have a greater belief that these things are real. I am electrified with a nuclear lightning bolt to bring them to the forefront of pop culture. Back to my newest obsession, a mirage-like blackened shadow that peers into your window at night, an apparition appearing in historical legends written over thousands of years on every continent. Native American records about people snatching and cannibalism. It smells of rotting flesh, it can disappear at will or become completely physical. Disturbing to say the least. The US government has researched this phenomenon and there is potential genetic evidence that scientists are finding difficult to decode. There are many first-hand reports of this paranormal mystery continually popping up all over the world. There are thermal, infrared, and radio frequency reportings with multiple PhD academics trying to understand its motivations, whereabouts, and genesis. To the Stars has hired a great screenwriter who's developing a feature film script about this very topic called The Wild Men. But you may know this mystery by another name, Bigfoot. I'm so excited about it. Help me create an entertaining story to show what this thing is, what it is doing, and what it means to our understanding of who we are and what we are. Signed off, Tom. Hmm. So apparently his next thing's going to be Bigfoot. Interesting. I wonder what work of fiction he's going to put out in regards to it. Also, did he say the government has done studies into Bigfoot? Yes. Didn't know that. I have not seen specific studies about Bigfoot put on by the US government. I am excited to see what he actually drops, because every now and then what he says actually pays dividends. Really? Well, the Nimitz video is uh. one of the things I'm talking about. 
Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, he seems crazy, and, like, some of the things are set up very sketchily, but every now and then it pays out. True, true. We, he has proof that he does pay out sometimes. Yeah. And then, like, just recently, he was Steve-O. Do you know from Jackass? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he has a podcast, and Tom DeLonge was just on there. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, you know, if you want somebody to critically analyze your views, like, Steve-O's the guy. <laughs> also, I'm sorry to say it, but Steve-O just doesn't have the voice for radio. Great guy. <laughs> Raspy as fuck voice. What a yeah. great story that was. <laughs> It's hard to listen, but like they touched on like so many like absolutely ridiculous UFO topics. He talks about how they're all just time travelers from the future. Talks about Fatima, and then moves Tom on DeLonga? to Fatima. Fatima, Fatima, yeah. And then moves on to Project Serpo, and then um, no. talks about how and Serpo. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then moves on to how he was just meeting with the Italian government about UFOs they saw over the Mediterranean that shot down one of their helicopters and that he was in the room talking to the pilot and co-pilot of the helicopter that was shot down by a UFO. With the government of Italy. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And he says that all in the same sentence of Serpo. It was within the same three minute period. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then Steve-O cuts to a, a Viagra commercial. Nice. But chewable Viagra, because apparently that was a problem. <laughs> well, it is for the oldies. <laughs> and apparently the raspy of voice. <laughs> but yeah, bet you didn't think that an episode on Blink-182 would end with um, credible information coming out about UFOs. No. Unless you did the research for this episode, in which it became very clear that it would. And there's only, <laughs> there's only a couple of places when you're like, okay, he was right, and he did do that. But it's also meant with a lot of, yike, he did that. To give Joe Rogan full credit, when he is on and actually wants to critically analyze something, boy howdy, did he absolutely make Tom look like an idiot on that podcast. Because he can't say anything. He just asks a follow-up question, can't say anything. Yep. Doesn't always do it, and I hate him for it, but when he's on, he is on like that episode. But if he can't say anything, he shouldn't even be out in the pub. Like, he's the pub. He's no, exactly. the face of the brand, though, so he has to. But at the same time, he can't say anything, and he looks like a dumbass. Yeah. No, and, and it's hilarious he because so he's like, hate. he said the government wanted him to do this because they can't do it personally because they don't have the avenues to media like he does. And, and they're like, okay, what anything. can you say? Oh, I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it makes no fucking sense. Like, to me, he and then shouldn't he just, have been doing it. Like, literally, if you haven't seen it, let me just take a quick look here. It is episode. But then it's also so weird because you can't say anything. It's episode 1029 of the Joe Rogan experience. And it ends with Tom, like, going on YouTube and just showing him YouTube videos of UFOs. And oh, Rogan Lord. being like, is this guy for real? Like, these are all so fake. <laughs> But it's so weird because he says he can't say anything. But then he writes a bunch of like fiction books and it's so weird. It almost feels like, do you know how like the stories of vampires and demons are they like can't come into your house? Yeah. Or they, they can't specifically say things though they have to allude to it in really weird ways. So, so like need an invitation into your house. I'm not saying Tom DeLonge is a vampire demon that needs to be invited into the White House or something, but <laughs> hey. He's desperate. When the shoe fits. Yeah. True. True. 
Okay, we figured it out. We figured Tom DeLonge out. But anyhow, that's God been Tom DeLonge. I know you guys were all curious what he's been up to. That that There you go. And in the next episode, we're going to be talking about To the Stars Academy and what it's about, what it's done, where it's gone, and where it is now. And I yeah. maybe where it's going? I don't know. Chelsea did that episode, so I'm, I'm staying out of that. Anyhow, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh